For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. came across an old Native American folk tale uh, that I want to share with you here this morning. Um, once upon a time, as, as sort of the mythology goes, a youth was out walking in the woods alone and he saw a tall, rugged peak off in the distance and, and had a desire to test himself against the mountain. So he put on his buffalo hide shirt and threw his blanket over his shoulders and set off to climb the peak. Uh, it was a struggle, but eventually he reached the top and felt like he was at the top of the world. He could see forever and his heart swelled with pride. Uh, then he heard a rustle at his feet and looking down, he saw a snake. Um, he jumped backwards in fear, but before he could run, the snake spoke. Um, just sort of on the side, usually if a snake speaks, um, just run. Uh, just a good rule of thumb, just run. But anyway, um, the snake said to him, I'm about to die said the snake. It's too cold for me up here and I'm freezing. There's no food and I'm starving. Put me under your shirt and take me down into the valley. No, said the youth. I've been forewarned. I know you're kind. You're a rattlesnake. If I pick you up, you'll bite me and I'll die. And the rattlesnake said, no, not so. I will treat you differently. If you do this for me, you'll be special and I won't harm you. And the youth resisted for some time until the snake was, was very persuasive and, and convinced uh, the youth to, to put him under a shirt. So he did and carried him down into the valley. When he, when he came down, he laid him gently on the grass and suddenly the snake coiled, rattled, leapt and bit him on the leg. But you promised, cried the youth. You knew what I was when you picked me up, said the snake as it slithered away. I think there's, there's an illustration here about temptation. And that sometimes we even know that it's dangerous. We see it and it's dangerous, but we think that we're special. We think that it, it won't hurt me. It's me. I'm smarter than that. I'm wiser than that. I, I, I'm stronger than that. It, it won't bring me down. And we tend to think that, that we're different or special when it comes to temptation. And then we begin to toy with it until it usually turns around and bites us. Um, today, Jesus is going to talk about one of those temptations. Um, so we pick up the text here in Matthew chapter 5, and we're in 27. You've heard that it was said, again, referring to the Old Testament and referring as well to the, the Pharisaic sort of interpretation of the Old Testament laws. You shall not commit adultery. Um, that's coming straight out of uh, the Ten Commandments. Uh, it's the uh, commandment number seven. Uh, and we're also going to see, it, it really kind of talks about commandment number 10 as well, which says you, you, you shouldn't covet, you can't covet uh, your neighbor's wife. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Um, again, Jesus is known for being, uh, culturally, Jesus is known for being very gracious, kind of a, a loving hippie who's really easygoing, um, especially when it comes to sort of this, this sexual ethic in our culture today. Jesus is seen as just very loving. But, but the reality of Jesus is that he takes the bar and he raises it significantly, particularly in this area of sexuality. He says adultery is not just physically committing something with another person who's not your spouse. He brings it all the way back to this word epithemeo, which means lustful desire. It's beyond just an external action and it goes right to the heart. 
Epithemia is, is a desire which um, intentionally objectifies another person for one's own gratification. So it's using someone else for your own gratification. It's exploitation, it's selfishness, um, it's using your imagination in, in a sinful way. Um, I came across one quote this week that said, Imagination is a God-given gift, but when it is fed dirt by the eye, it will be dirty. All sin, uh, not least sexual sin, begins with the imagination. Therefore, what feeds the imagination is of maximum importance in the pursuit of the kingdom of righteousness. Jesus is calling us to check our, our imagination, to check our hearts when it comes to, to lust. And there's a practicality here where um, it is normal and it is natural as human beings to acknowledge, to see that there is an attractive person, right? To see that is an attractive person. Our, our eyes are drawn to the symmetry and the, and the shape and the form, whatever it might be. There, there's nothing sinful about noticing. Where it becomes more dangerous and more of a sin is the second look. It's the dwelling. It's the engaging your imagination. It's about using that person and, and their beauty and their attractiveness, which is just normal, um, for our own personal gratification. And so it's not about the first look, it's about the second. It's not a sin when we notice, it's a, it becomes a sin when we linger and begin to use that image for other purposes. Um, uh, I came across a story uh, this week from the Reader's Digest. Again, not my story, a story from the Reader's Digest. Um, While my wife and I were shopping at a mall kiosk, a shapely young woman in a short form-fitting dress strolled by. My eyes followed her. Without looking up from the item she was examining, my wife asked, Was it worth the trouble you're in? <laughs> Again, not as in a notice. It's the lingering part, the following, the, 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 the fixing your imagination. So, uh, verse 29. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. Obviously, Jesus is not being literal because even if you were to pluck your right eye out, your left eye is still, still has free reign. Jesus is saying something, something about the heart, about sin, about our intention, about what we truly desire. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell. Um, funny, interesting note that I came across this week in studying uh, this passage and some of these words. The Hebrew word yat um, can mean hand, can mean hand here, but it might also be a euphemism for, um, let's just say, the offending member. Uh, and so <clears throat> Jesus' command here just got real. Um, but it really is about his perspective on sin and how seriously God takes sin and the temptation to sin, the danger of that temptation, of that lingering, be going beyond the initial noticing, the initial glance and, and going deeper, the, the danger that that can stir up in our lives. It's putting the snake under uh, our, our shirt. Um, it was said, the ancient uh, sort of church father, uh, Origen, who was in the second century, uh, that he took this commandment of Jesus literally. Um, and uh, he paid a surgeon and had himself castrated. Uh, we wouldn't recommend that. It's not really what Jesus is saying, but I mean, you see his heart of, of, of truly wanting to pursue God and pursue righteousness and, and shedding off sin any way 
that he can. And so, so Jesus is calling us into, into a radical, not necessarily surgical, but radical pursuit of him and shedding off avoidance of sin. Um, the book of James, uh, we have James 1, 14 and 15, talking about this process of sin. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. And so there's this process where we think we can dabble with temptation, where there's a desire for something. And the desire grows and we begin to act on it until it comes to a place where it actually brings full death in our lives. Jesus isn't isn't calling this out in our lives in order to shame us. He's not just a prude. He's not trying to deprive us with the sexual ethic of purity, but he's trying to protect us. Sin destroys. It eats away at our lives. It leads to spiritual death. Um, Adultery is, is, is just such... A prime example, powerful example of, of choosing immediate gratification, the pleasure of the moment, the temptation of the now versus the long-term good. I don't think you'll ever find really an adulterer who doesn't sort of deal with the long-term consequences of, of that, who doesn't come to a place of regretting it. I mean, really. And it's not just about about a fear of being caught or the guilt and the shame. It's but the core root of sin and holiness itself. There's this warning that there's far worse things than depriving ourselves of some temptation. Um, it's been said that a, a green log in the woods, right? A, a, a log that's, that's got moss on it, that's wet. A green log won't be lit by a single match. And that's true. But if you build enough kindling around it, a single match with with enough kindling and enough enough time and enough uh, external food, food, uh, you know, fuel, putting more and more wood on that on the on that kindling, eventually the log will catch fire, and and that's what temptation does in our life. It it might seem like an innocent second glance, it might seem like an innocent uh, imagination moment, it might seem innocent, but they begin to build and it begins to spiral in our lives. And Jesus says, "Don't even be brought into the beginning of the spiral. Run away, cut it off, break free. Don't fall into temptation." Uh, John Piper says that sin, lust, for example, gets its power by persuading me to believe that I'll be more happy if I follow it. The power of all temptation is the prospect that it will make me happier. Spot temptation for what it is, particularly sexual temptation. Spot it for what it is. Jesus says radically break free from it. And he also says never feed the fire. Make no provision for the flesh, as Paul says, to fulfill the lusts. Therefore, it is a fire within you, right? The sinful nature within us, the temptation, and the danger of what that could spin out into. The temptation is a fire within you. Never bring any oil anywhere near it, because if you do, there will be a flame and there will be trouble. And Jesus is really bringing us to this place of of asking, what do we value more? Do we love Him? Do we love holiness? Do we love following Him, His commandments, and trust Him with our lives, trust Him with our happiness and our fulfillment? Do we trust Him and follow Him, or do we trust ourselves and the desires of the moment? We can't follow both. And Jesus says that we need to choose. Do we chase after the temptations of the flesh in the moment of of immediate 
gratification or do we radically break free from that and pursue him, trusting him in, in, in the larger life, life and life abundantly, here, now, and also forever? Do we really hate the sin or just the consequences? When I was a kid, um, I remember one of the, I loved baseball and and when I had thoughts that I knew I shouldn't have, one of the the practical disciplines that I would do uh, is to pretend that those thoughts were, you know, that I was was cramming them, squeezing them, compressing them into a baseball. Um, And just the act of of choosing not to linger and instead using my imagination, engaging my imagination in, 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 in imagining these things coming into a baseball, compressing them and then I'd throw it in the air and imagine myself hitting it with a bat out of the park. And just that simple act of breaking free, uh, of shifting my focus, of putting my imagination on something else instead of the lingering um, for me was, was a really helpful discipline. And so whatever it takes for you, particularly in this area of lust, it's not just a matter of, of what you physically committed, but Jesus says, no, it gets back to the heart and it, get back, it gets back to the imagination, not just because, because uh, God is, is legalistic in our thought life because he wants to protect us from the damaging effect those over time, those small fires, those little fires, those little things those that burn and, and they compound on each other. Um, the danger that that can have. And, and, and we might feel like, you know, the snake in the beginning, well, I'm special and I'm different and it's not going to hurt me. Um, but God is saying, no, you know what it is before you pick it up. Don't be surprised if it turns around and bites you. He's calling us to life. He wants us to avoid the pain and the pitfalls that we see in the world all around us. And so don't, don't dabble with lust. Don't play around the edges. Um, Whatever radical step you need to take to break your mind off, imagination off, to get out of that cycle, then God says, you just need to do it. It's worth whatever cost it takes for you to break free from that cycle and flee from that fire. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy that, that washes over us that you are a God of forgiveness and not judgment here. And God, we want to repent of sin. We want to break free from its grip on us and we want to walk in freedom. So help us to do that. Help us to use our imagination uh, for the good things you've created it for. God, break us free from the grip of sin and temptation and help us to walk in your freedom, God. And if we need help, we can't do it on our own. I pray that you give us the courage to reach out to someone, to walk alongside us, to encourage us, to hold us accountable so that we can break free and live in your freedom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks again for joining us today. We'll talk to you again soon.